Sometimes the lectionary, that three-year cycle of Bible lessons that we read every Sunday, sometimes the lectionary throws more at us than will fit into one sermon. And that's what happened today. Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son to show us the depth of God's love and grace and mercy and how God always welcomes us back into the family if ever we stray away. St. Paul says we are new creations in Christ, reconciled with God and Christ's ambassadors, telling the world the good news that Jesus wants us in his family. And the psalm promises God will forgive us anytime we confess our selfishness to him. But I'm not going to preach about any of those today. Well, I guess I already did, didn't I? But I'm not going to preach about him anymore because the first lesson from Joshua speaks directly to us in the Messiah family at this point in our life together and in this season of the church year. In that lesson, we join the Israelites just after they crossed the Jordan River into the Promised Land. Now, if this were a TV show, this is where you would hear, previously in the Bible... God and Moses got the people of Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery in Egypt, took them through the Red Sea, took them to the mountain where they got the Ten Commandments. Then they walk through the desert and they get to the edge of the promised land right at the Jordan River and they chicken out because they're afraid that those folks who live over on the other side are too tall and too tough and they don't trust that God can keep his promise to give them the land that he promised them. So God says, okay, you guys go back into the wilderness. And so for 40 years, they go right back, wandering around until everybody who's 20 years old or older dies. And then 40 years later, they come back to the same exact place on the edge of the Jordan River. And this time they say, we're ready to go in. We're ready to trust God. Now, the only thing that stands between them and the promised land is the Jordan River, which usually is only about 100 feet wide and somewhere between 3 and 10 feet deep. It's easy to wade across. But Joshua and company have arrived in the springtime, which is rainy season, and the river overflows its banks to be about a half a mile wide and with rapids that are 10 to 50 feet deep. Well then, what are we going to do about that? Well, there's no bridges, so God splits the river just like he did the Red Sea for Moses, and the people walk across on dry land, and God says, pick up 12 big rocks from the middle of the riverbed and bring them over here to the other side and make a monument to remind you of what God did to get you across the river. And they do that, and that's where we got into the lesson today. And they named that monument and that place Gilgal. Gilgal, okay? Well, Gilgal becomes their base of operations for the rest of the book of Joshua as they conquer the promised land. Over and over, they go take a city and they come back to Gilgal. They go take two or three other cities, they come back to Gilgal. They fight a battle, they win it, they come back to Gilgal. Every time they do anything, they come back to Gilgal. Gilgal is the reminder that God loves them, that God is with them, that God will take care of them, that God is trustworthy and got them across the Jordan River. And if he can do that, he can deal with whatever they have to face today or tomorrow or the next day. Well, just as God gives his, gave his people back then a Gilgal, he does the same thing for us, his people, today. We've got one next door. Our church building is a reminder that God has taken care of this parish family for going on 69 years. In 1953, our Messiah ancestors 
weren't really sure they could pull it off, but in faith built the front part of the church. Now, where the choir is, the altar was where the choir is now, and the prayer chapel was the door that went to outside. Okay? But they prayed, and God provided. In 1985, and some of you were here at that point, we decided to bust out the sidewall of the church and add the place where people sit now because we were going to get ready for growth because God was bringing new people. And if you've come here since 1985, we built that for you. Aren't you glad? Okay. Well, back then, a large portion of the congregation were in the citrus business. Well, right before construction was supposed to start, there was a killing freeze that wiped out all the citrus crop for that year. And that citrus crop was what was going to pay for a large part of the construction. But they prayed, and they trusted God, and God provided, and they built it, and God paid for it. Well, we're, we're sitting in another Gilgal right now. Twelve years ago, when we were building this part of the campus, delays and changes mandated by the city of Winter Garden and the St. John's River Water Management District added an extra $700,000 to our expected expenses. $700,000 that we didn't have, but that we needed to complete the project. Well, we prayed, and God gave us an extra $100,000 a month for seven months and covered that gap. Today, this building is still a monthly reminder that God is with us to provide because he gives us what we need every month to pay the mortgage. Now, on top of the physical facility that we have, we've got story after story of ways that the Messiah has moved and saved and protected and provided and healed and preserved the precious people in this parish family. Now, God has given us these Gilgals together to remind us that he's going to take good care of us together. But God also gives us Gilgals in our personal lives and in our own families. So what's a Gilgal in your life? Take a moment and on the sermon notes page, pull that out. And there's this question there. What's a Gilgal in your life? A time that God showed himself, answered a prayer, healed, protected, or provided for someone you know or for you. Go ahead and pull those out and Let's answer that. Take a moment and let's answer that question. God gives us these Gilgals so when we're afraid or facing a challenge, we can pull out that sermon notes page, look at our answers, and remind ourselves of times that God has been faithful in the past, which will help us to believe that He will be faithful now and into the future. Okay, back to Joshua, back to Joshua and Gilgal, and we're still previously in the Bible. They take the 12 stones from the middle of the riverbed, they make the monument, and then before they go to conquer the rest of the promised land, God says, I want you to circumcise all your guys. Now, circumcision and parents, 
And grandparents, please tell your children what circumcision is, especially your daughters, so I don't have to draw embarrassing pictures. Okay? Circumcision, uh, circumcision was the sacramental sign of God's covenant with Israel, and every Jewish male was circumcised at eight days old. It's a lifelong reminder that he's in a special relationship with God. Circumcision was a symbolic way of purifying the man by cutting away a part of his body that collects dirt and filth, a part that serves no real purpose, a part that he's better off without. But Old Testament circumcision of the body was really only a sacrament of the real thing, which is the circumcision of the heart. God wants his people to let him cut away the parts of our life that collect dirt and filth, the parts that serve no real purpose, the parts of our life that we're really better off without. Now, we don't circumcise people to bring them into God's family anymore. We have a different sign that shows our special relationship with God, and that's baptism, which is better than circumcision because it's available for males and females. And when we do it, nobody bleeds. And pictures of the ceremony are not nearly as creepy. But like circumcision, baptism symbolically purifies us. It washes away sin, dirt, and filth. It cleanses those parts of our life that serve no real purpose and flushes away stuff that we're really better off without. That's one purpose of Lent, these 40 days before Easter, when we give God permission to cut away anything in our life that we're better off without, whether for these 40 days until Easter or for the rest of our life. So let's take a moment and ask God if there's anything He'd like to circumcise and remove from our life, either for the rest of this Lent or the rest of our life. And as you ask that, write down your answer on your sermon notes page. Now, nobody else is going to look at this. This is just between you and God. So be honest. What would God like to circumcise from your life? Back to Joshua. Somehow Moses and company forgot and neglected to circumcise all the little baby boys while they were in the 40 years in the wilderness. So God says, now it's time to do that. And they do it. And Joshua re records, they waited in the camp until they were healed. Now that is a remarkable understatement. They had no choice but to wait. Baby boys bounce back pretty quickly from circumcision, but that little surgical snip wipes out adult males for a couple of weeks with fever and weakness and lots and lots of pain. Remember, back in Joshua's time, they didn't have anesthetic. They didn't have Tylenol. They didn't have ibuprofen. They didn't even have bullets to bite. There's a story back in Genesis when two of Jacob's sons trick a whole town into circumcising all the, the men in the town. And while they are disabled and immobilized by pain, those two sons go and kill everybody in town because nobody could get up and do anything about it. So here's the situation with Joshua. The Jordan River 
is that flood stage behind them. They can't go back. And all the enemies in the world are in front of them. So they don't want to go forward. And all of their men are immobilized for two weeks while they heal. Now, wouldn't it have been smarter for God to tell them to take care of this little covenantal detail before they cross the river instead of afterwards? I mean, why would God wait until they're trapped to make this commandment? Because God is able to take care of His people. And when God tells somebody to do something, <coughs> excuse me, and they obey, no matter how impossible it looks, God is always there to do whatever it takes to make it happen. God will provide, God will protect, God will preserve. And those Israelites were safer in their weakness than they would have been at, their, at full strength because God was their strength and the Lord was their sword. We're in that same sort of situation right now here in the, our parish family. <clears throat> now, we haven't circumcised anybody recently, and we're not going to, but we have hired staff and built a building and are providing for the Alexander family because the vestry and I believe that God called us to do that to fulfill our role in changing the world with Jesus, one child, one person, one family in our community. But our monthly income has not paid for all of that for several years. Now, God gave us a whole bunch of extra money a couple, several years back, and that's what's covering our deficit now. But if our income continues the way it is now for the rest of this year, next year, we're going to have to lay off some staff. Now, as a parish family, we have the Jordan River behind us at flood stage. We really can't go back to having only a rector and a parish administrator and a part-time musician. That, that will not work for us. And in front of us is this financial enemy. So if God doesn't come through, we're dead. Um, but in this situation, like Joshua and God's people back then, the vestry and I are choosing to pray hard, to do what we heard God say, to trust Him to provide for us, and to press on. Now, where in your life right now is God telling you to pray hard, to trust Him, and press on? Where in your life do you have a flood behind you and enemies in front of you, and if God doesn't show up, you're dead? Take a moment on your sermon notes page, write down what you need God to do for you and for your family to get you through to the promised land. All of us, from time to time, face challenges that are difficult or impossible. And when those crises come, let's pull out that sermon notes page from today and let that be a Gilgal to remind us of what God has done for us in the past that helps us believe He's going to take care of us in the present and on into the future. When God calls us to circumcise part of our hearts or our minds or our behavior 
Let's say yes and let him cut away what doesn't belong in our life, starting with what we wrote today on our sermon notes page. And when God calls us into circumstances that look impossible with floods behind us and enemies in front of us, let's listen for God's call and follow him closely because just beyond that impossible place is the promised land that God has for each of us.